Flower has probably never been this cool or gotten this much attention. I've been one of those individuals who've started to bake bread during the COVID pandemic, and one of the reasons I've actually had flour is 1847 milling right here in my neighborhood. My name is Mike Von Masso, and this is the Food Focus Podcast. In this episode, I speak with Melissa McEwen, co-owner of 1847 milling, about flour, starting a small food business, and many, many other things. I was intrigued when she suggested single-origin flowers and the potential for terroir in flour. I think you'll find it interesting. As always, thanks for listening, and please give us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. It helps keep our audience growing as reviews help people find us. And now, here's my conversation with Melissa. Well, hello, Melissa. Thanks for taking the time to have a chat today. I expect, uh, as a flour miller, life has been pretty hectic for the last couple of months. Yes, it has gone a little bit crazy uh, for the past couple months, but I think we've started to find a new uh, a new normal now. Well, that's good. <laughs> and and as a as a business, uh, busy is good, isn't it? Busy is good. Yes, yes. We're very we're very thankful that that we're able to be this busy and we're able to produce flour for our communities. So yeah, we're very happy to be this busy. Well, so tell me a little bit about 1847. I'm, I'm one of these COVID bakers, and I discovered uh, that, that you guys have been sort of my neighbors almost yep. for five years, but I didn't know about you until very recently. So tell me a little bit and tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure, yeah. Uh, my husband, myself, and my brother, about five years ago, uh, five and a half years ago, we're looking to start a business. And we live out uh, in the country outside of Fergus, and we're farmers, and we're trying to, we were trying to come up with a business idea. I was on maternity leave with my first child, and we could find local milk and cheese and fruits and vegetables. But as farmers, we grow wheat and oats and, and a lot of cereals, um, but we couldn't find any local flour. And we just couldn't understand why we couldn't find local flour. So we kind of looked into it a little bit. And of course, there's the, the big giants, the Robin Hoods and the giants in the flower world, but there was there's not a lot of small independent mills. And of course, we started this back in the the height of the gluten free movement. And we yeah, we were just looking around and we couldn't find any any local mills. So what we did was we did some research and we and we figured out that um, the European way of milling flour was quite a bit different than how North Americans milled flour. And we know that a lot of people say they can go to Europe and eat all the breads they want and, and it doesn't hurt their stomach. And they come back here and they have one slice of white bread here and, and they're in pain for days. So we knew there had to be something there. So we just really tried to emulate the European model for, for making flour. And we brought a, a mill over from Austria. We started to source local organic ingredients, just like they, they do over there. And uh, we've just had such a great response from, from people saying that it is so easy on their stomach. And, and this whole sourdough movement with COVID has really, really brought a lot of people to our site and, and they've been able to discover us. That's actually cool. So you and your family farm as well, but this wasn't necessarily, oh, we'd like to find a way to add value to our crops. It was more, 
is there something we can do in the context of a farm yes. to, to create a business and another stream of income for our family? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just having, uh, you know, a, a farm that does cropping, um, it's not sustainable. You, you can't generate enough off a farm to sustain the farm just with cropping it typically, um, especially around Southern Ontario. So yeah, we were looking for different revenue streams to be able to take over the farms. And we kind of happened upon this. My husband actually bought me a mill for the front of my KitchenAid stand mixer. So we could blame a lot of this on on a Christmas present. But uh, so that's how it it all came to be too. Uh, I had been milling my own grain from my stand mixer. And that was another push in the direction to to bring in these mills and and start start producing high quality flour for our community. You're almost producing flour to support a farming habit. <laughs> you know what? That is exactly the way it is. It's <laughs> And I think most farmers would tell you that's pretty much how it has to be now. <laughs> So, so one of the things you talked a little bit about how you're different, uh, you know, sort of a, a micro, uh, micro mill, uh, and producing, producing sort of organic. Are there other things that are different? I, you know, I've, I've heard you say uh, we're the most sustainable flour mill in Canada as well. Yeah, we really, when we started, we just didn't want to be the same, you know, just another person making flour. We wanted to not only be produce the best quality flour we could that would have the best results for all of our customers for how they feel and 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 the quality that goes into the flour to make the breads to you know to get all the flavors out of it. But we also didn't want to leave a huge impact on the earth with what we were doing. So we started right from the ground up. So from the ground, we decided, okay, we're going to use organic grains, you know, utilize a lot of that manure, build up biodiversity in the in the fields and really encourage farmers to go that route because we are paying quite a premium to get organic cereals grown in Ontario. So, so we wanted to push farmers that way or encourage farmers that, that grow organic and that, that are building their soil health. That way, then we move towards the packaging. All of our packaging is 100% uh, compostable, biodegradable. They're paper bags, cotton thread, paper tape on the top. We're even using um, some repurposed uh, cardboard boxes for shipping direct to customers. So that was another um, excellent find we were able to sort out. We have solar panels on the roof of the mill to offset the power use. So we just, we really want to to not leave a mark on the earth with the, with the flour we produce. So it's, that was, that was another goal that we had. We probably don't advertise that side of it enough, but uh, yeah, definitely it, it was a goal of ours and, and we're really happy with what we've done so far. And uh, we've come up with a, a new idea for the, the brand, but you'll have to stay tuned for that one in the next few months to, to see uh, what we've come up with for that. So that one. We'll keep our eyes open. Yeah, that's a work in progress. Okay. So what makes good flour? I think it really starts down to the soil health. Um, I think if you have a really complex, great, rich soil that's been fertilized with natural 
say, manures and, and, you know, a lot of organic matter building up a great soil base, I think that translates directly into great grains, you know, really complex grains and just really flavorful. Um, we're so used to, to having flour that's so bland and so, you know, it's just, it's almost hollow. It's just like the filler item in, in a lot of our recipes and not an actual flavorful ingredient. So, if you start with really great grain, then you can't help but get a really good product. So when we mill it, we mill the whole berry, and that whole berry goes right through in between two large stones. So they stay really cool. As the grain travels through the stones, it breaks it apart, and you you break down your endosperm, and, and, and the germ and the bran comes off too, and then we put it through a sifter. What makes our flour different is that we, since... Since it's milled so cold, um, you're able to. Le- we are able to leave that germ in the flour, and that's where all the natural oils are, and that's where all the flavor is. That's where all the the good nutritional part of of the grain is. And and big big mills um, use either hot knife or roller mill. They heat that oil and the germ up so much that they need to remove it because it'll it'll turn the flour rancid if it sits on a shelf or within it, within, you know, a couple of weeks, it would turn the flour rancid if, if they were to leave that, that germ in there. So the big mills, they have to take that out and they take the, the bran out. So then you're just left with kind of a hollow endosperm of the, of the grain. And yeah, that'll do what you need it to do to, you know, bulk up your recipes, but it doesn't add any flavor or any nutritional value. And then what they have to do, because they've removed all that good germ and great oils out of it, they're required by law to fortify the flour because they've removed all the good the good parts out of it. So they have to add something back to it so that it's not so hollow. As the way we do it, we're able to leave that germ in it. It's shelf stable for at least six months, um, if not a year, if you pop it in the freezer. And those oils are flavor and, and flavor is nutrition. So um, yeah, that's that's another reason why we're that much different. So it's not my imagination that my bread, when I started buying your flour, that my bread was nicer. I thought, well, maybe I'm just feeling good about supporting a local <laughs> business. It's I, I, I wasn't it, it, I wasn't just making it up. You weren't just making it up. No, it, it. I can assure you that it is better. Doesn't it taste better? It does. I think it's. I think it's wonderful bread. Now I'm pretty. Oh, I'm still sure. pretty much a novice, but that's. Uh, <laughs> I, I can tell a difference. Yeah, it's always a work in progress, especially with sourdough. It's. Uh, it's quite an art. I have a friend who's who's trying to get me to do sourdough, uh, and I've still been uh, I've been lucky enough to be able to find yeast, and so I've been I've been focused on yeast bread so far, but I'm getting close to giving it a try. Excellent. So again, I'm a relative flour neophyte. Tell me a little bit about what's the difference between, and I know you have these products between sort of an all-purpose flour and a bread flour or a cake flour, which are all sort of white flours. So basically it comes down to the grains you use. Bread flours typically are always going to be, at least in Canada, a hard red spring wheat. That means that they're planted in the spring. So they come up, they are exposed to a lot of heat units that drives the protein level up, and then they're harvested uh, in the late summer. 
And that protein level is what determines what type of flour it is. So typically high protein means uh, it's more of a bread flour. So we're working with some grains right now that are uh, around 14% protein. So uh, those hard red spring wheat uh, berries that we turn into bread flour sit around 14%. For us, when we go to uh, a cake flour, you want a lower protein flour. So those are the, uh, we use either soft red winter wheat or soft white winter wheat. So those protein levels are down at the, the eight and a half, nine percent So they're planted in the fall. They're first to come up in the spring. So typically this time of year, when you look out and you can see, uh, you know, a bunch of a green field right now that's not hay, that's a lot of the uh, the winter wheats that are popping up. And those are typically harvested in uh, kind of end of early part of August is uh, when you see those coming off the fields. And then what we do for a all-purpose flour is we blend the two. So we we're looking for somewhere right around the 11, 11 and a half percent range. Um, so it's good for your breads, but it's also good for your pastries. If you want to use it that way, it's, that's what we use as an all-purpose flour. And, and the, our cake and pastry or our cake flour is uh, what we use with a lower protein where you're not looking to develop those, those gluten strands, that real stretchy dough. So that's what the protein does is, is it's the gluten that, that gives you the stretchy dough, that connection. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, see, I've learned something today. Uh, and, <laughs> and why is wheat sort of the standard flour? I, I uh, again, shameless promotion. I bought some rye flour uh, from you and I'm, in, I'm really enjoying mixing it in in smaller amounts into my uh, into my bread and it behaves a bit differently it it's a bit trickier it doesn't seem to absorb water as much so i need to add more uh, overall volume of flour to my but it's really flavorful and it's and i have to bake it a little bit longer but and and, and those sorts of things it's so wheat is really what the uh, is the foundation of flour and it behaves differently because of the glutens or or yeah yeah there's a number of different reasons why it'll behave a little bit differently we're all used to wheat um as kind of the standard flour um if you look more to the German and Austrians they they push more a lot of the the rye bread but uh rye has a fairly low protein content, around the 9%. So you'll never be able to develop the glutens like you do with the high-protein bread flour. You, you'll never get quite that stretch that you're typically looking for when you're making your breads that you're used to to working with. So the lower protein of, of the rye um, will definitely behave differently. But um, it, it certainly adds um, a different flavor to the flour, to the breads. And, and a lot of people kind of synonymously put rye with caraway, like they think pumpernickel bread immediately. Um, but it certainly uh, doesn't have that flavor when you just use rye by itself. Like I have, uh, I make peanut butter rye cookies all the time. I was going to give you a shout out on your peanut butter rye cookies. We made them here, got the recipe on your website, 1847.ca. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and we tried those. Uh, my wife is, 
ambivalent about me making it because she loves the cookies but eats too many of them. So I have to, <laughs> I have to ration how much I make them. So again, it was not something that I'd thought about. You know, using a rye flour and and those rye, those peanut butter rye cookies are are delicious. Yes, yeah, and and you don't think of of rye and and the baking side of things with the cookies and and whatnot, but no, it rye is really a nice flour to use for that kind of more of the the heartier cookies is where I tend to use it because we mill our rye a little bit coarser we don't mill it super fine we mill kind of a medium rye so that's I like to use it in stuff that's a bit heartier uh, like the peanut butter rye cookies um, but yeah definitely when you're making your breads with rye you're not going to get that same bounce or that same spring because it doesn't have um, all as much gluten as say your bread flour would. So uh, that's basically the main difference. That's when you go to the grocery store and you see rye bread, it's it's a denser bread. Doesn't rise, it doesn't hold those air air pockets as nicely. Exactly, yep. So, so let's switch gears from flour basics a little bit and talk a little bit more about your business again. You know, you said you started five years ago, uh, picked a perfect time, you know, you weren't busy on maternity leave with your first child. Uh, Excellent. Uh, what are some of the challenges you faced with starting a small food business? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, there was a lot of things that we needed to navigate through. Um, kind of the the usual public health CFIA regulations um, because we were doing organic. Uh, there was a lot of paperwork on that side of things with auditing, and and there was a huge learning curve to that. Also, just sourcing the grains was was painful. I think I called every single organic cereal farmer in Ontario to try and find some hard bread spring wheat. It's not an easy grain to find. You would think it would be, you know, a really easy grain to, to find. But uh, because it's a grain that's planted in the springtime, a lot of organic farmers don't want to plant it because they're competing with weeds off the get-go. So um, just finding, you know, the basic grains was was hard. But uh, but we've over the years we have figured out exactly a bunch of different uh, growers, and we built relationships up with them. So that side of it was good. The packaging side was another one. You know, we started this with we were on a shoestring budget, so we're trying to make our, the website ourselves with an online store. And so it it was definitely a lot of work, but we're really happy that, that we decided to take the jump in and do it. And you've been successful. Thus far. Thus far, yeah. <laughs> so so one, one question I wanted to ask you is, is uh, we often hear uh, of particular challenges for female entrepreneurs, and, and this really seems to me to be a family enterprise with your, with your brother and your, and your husband. Do you think this has been a disadvantage or an advantage or really irrelevant in the, in the development of your business? I would say that, you know, that it hasn't really mattered too much in anything that I've done in the beginning, some of the uh, old time farmers were really hesitant to talk to me about, you know, ordering and prices and 
volumes and they, they kept wanting to call my brother and, and deal with my brother. And my brother's like, no, that's not what I do. You know, you need to talk to Melissa, you know, deal with Melissa. And uh, they kept calling him and calling him. And finally, I I had to say to a few of them, you know, you got to deal with me if you want to sell the grains, because uh, that's this is not the side that not the side of the business my brother is into. He's he's on the farming side and, and I run kind of the business side. So that was kind of a, a hard one to get over. But uh, once once we got past that and they kind of understood that, yeah, I can I can uh, make these decisions on my own. <laughs> um, it was OK. <laughs> That's good. So it's interesting. I'm going to throw a question at you, maybe a little bit out of left field. When we started this conversation, we originally started with with an internet based recording, and now we're talking over cell phone, and and it's working fine. It doesn't doesn't cause me any grief at all. But it occurs to me just as we're speaking about some of these challenges and what we're hearing about rural broadband and the need for internet to support businesses. Do you think that's a constraint or at least a hurdle for you in your business? I think uh, I have a point-to-point internet where I am. And uh, every year the trees change a little bit and they decided to leaf out a little bit more. So, yeah, my internet's a bit intermittent today, but definitely getting, uh, you know, a really reliable internet to rural Canada, uh, rural Ontario. And I'm not even that rural. Like I'm eight minutes from Fergus. So it's not, I'm not super rural, but I am on a farm. Um, yeah, definitely that, that would help because yeah, there's, you know, I, I'm going to say four or five days a month where my internet's not working right. And I have to, you know, start uh, a mobile hotspot with my phone and then I end up burning up all my cell phone data with the mobile hotspot so <laughs> which isn't cheap in Canada no which isn't cheap but there are challenges but uh, I can I can take those with the uh, with the benefits of living on, on the farm <laughs> yeah we're lucky we live just outside of Alora and sort of semi-rural uh, but but we were lucky they put fiber in for us last year, which now in the, oh, geez. <laughs> in the, in the stay-at-home environment has been pretty good. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. So as, as we get close to the end of the time I committed, what's the long-term plan for 1847? So I think we're really happy um, continuing to grow as long as there's a market there and the demand for, you know, a really good quality flour will will continue to grow to meet the demand of our community and our country. So we plan uh, on doing a, an expansion yet this fall. Um, we've just brought in another mill to double our capacity right now. I think we're going to need to bring in uh, some bigger uh, storage grain bins. And then, uh, yeah, our new project that we're hoping to to bring forth in the next uh, couple months, that should that should keep us uh, even busier. So, um, yeah, what, as long as there's a, a demand for it, we'll, we will continue to grow to, to meet the needs. So you'll grow in volume. Might you also grow in the range of products you offer? Yeah, and, and I think what we're going to do is um, I think we're going to source um, some grains from local farmers, and we want to really start to push um, kind of a sig- single origin uh, flour so that people can start to connect their food with the grower. So um, in the coming months, what we're going to do is 
there's a couple of fields planted specifically for us, and we're going to uh, release those in kind of uh, small batches, and, and people can buy it and, and taste the difference and know exactly where it came from, exactly what farmer it came from, um, you know, what the growing conditions were like on that farm. You know, give people uh, something something different in the market and uh, something uh that they can that they can try out, and then if there's a certain variety of something that that really resonates with people that they really like, then of course we'll bring that that line on and offer it as as often as possible. Right now we have uh, six different flowers that we offer, including red fife, uh, rye, um, whole wheat, bread, cake and pastry, and what I call our daily grind, which is our all-purpose flour, but. But we would like to bring um, other grains on, such as spelt and some other different ones, and and see how it goes. Yeah. So that, that that's cool. So is it, it'll be interesting to see if there's terroir, you know, sort of taste of place in flour. If I get uh, flour from here or flour from there, if it if it tastes different, if it performs different, uh, that that's kind of a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And and we're. We want to, to bring that because uh, I think, um, you know, farmers that are doing a really great job in supporting and developing the soil health, I think, should be rewarded, you know, because they're producing really, really great grains um, by doing that. And, and people need to, I would love for people to taste the difference and, and um, really see that, yeah, there there can be a difference in flour. It's not just... Uh, not just kind of a, a filler item in your recipes. It can be the showpiece. I'm looking forward to trying it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna f- finish sort of with the, my my last question, which usually doesn't end up being my last question, but it's I'm gonna try. <laughs> my my last question is built on where they can find you, which is 1847.ca. But as you go to market, do, you know what proportion of your of your products go through sort of traditional or specialty stores that sell your flour or and what of it, what proportion is direct where which is sort of that online business and how do you as as you grow do you think they'll both grow at the same rates yeah so right now we're doing uh, i'm going to say about 90% direct to consumer and then 10% would be kind of my my bakeries and specialty stores. We have seen that the retail stores wanting to bring on more flour and love to get more retail stores, but yet we're cautiously bringing them on because, uh, you know, we, we don't want our product to sit on any store shelves for a long time. But but I really see the growth of our business will be in the direct-to-consumer flour. That's where I see us going uh, more heavily towards. That's interesting. And, and I think we're hearing more and more sort of farm-based businesses or rural-based businesses saying that that's really their opportunity to directly interact with consumers and tell their story. You know, if, if you've got single source or single origin grains, that's much harder to articulate if it's sitting on a shelf exactly. in Mississauga or Oshawa uh, than, than if people are coming to your website and, and hearing that story and really appreciating the value you're creating. That's exactly uh, what we're thinking and what we're doing right now. We are bringing on um, a couple of retailers, but but the the retailers that we bring on really 
we're really betting them. <laughs> we really want them to love to love the product and love what we're doing and and support it that way. Yeah, we've we've definitely had offers to go into you know some really big block big big box stores and you know in the height of COVID you know any people were clamoring for any kind of flower like the big stores, but um, yeah we turned a couple of those down and it was so hard to do. But uh, we knew it wasn't the right path for the business um, to be a sustainable business. We knew we had to to really focus on our direct consumer um, line because that's that's where you know we can connect with our customers and tell them why we're doing this and 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 what our flower is all about. Yeah, no, that's interesting, and it's a really a, an important strategic decision that I think a lot of startup companies don't maybe have the opportunity to do if they're if they're if they're struggling but also often don't take the time to think about what does this mean for us in terms of the development of of our business and our ability to to really articulate our unique selling position yeah it, it was certainly a hard uh, hard one to kind of get over but but in our hearts we knew what was right for us and our consumers and and uh for the business in the long term, yeah, we could have, you know, got some product on the store shelf, but it probably, you know, wouldn't have done the greatest over a six month period because, you know, when you're going to your regular grocery store, you're not looking for the the reason why you're buying that flower, <laughs> you know. It's, you're not looking necessarily for a premium flower even. Exactly, exactly. And, and uh, you know, we want people to really connect with the farmer, the grain, how we do it, and, and everything that, that uh, we stand for as a company. We want to really connect with our customers. And, and uh, yeah, the first person that we really hired outside other than um, our I call her St. Anne-Marie. She runs all our social media. Was uh, Andrew, you may have been talking to him. He's our customer service hire. And uh, he's. we really just want to have the best customer support and the best um, communications with our customers. We really want to, to connect with them and make sure that, you know, every part of their purchase, they're, they're happy about. That's great. So, Thank you very much for taking the time, and uh, I hope that you get some time as you catch up here to take a breath uh, and and then jump forward as you continue to grow. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, I think we will. We're 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 catching our breath right now, but uh, but we're we're really happy to to be as busy as we are. Perfect. Thanks. Thanks so much, and uh, talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks so much, Mike. we wrap up this episode, I just wanted to take a minute to uh, say thanks to Max Graham for making us sound great. Uh, we get to have the interesting conversations and Max does the hard work of, of cleaning it up. Quick thanks to Zach Von Massow for the original music that we use uh, to transition. I also wanted to take a minute to remind you of uh, the foodfocusguelph.ca website. You go check out our blog which gets updated at least once weekly with issues uh, related to food, just like the podcast. 
and gives you a place that you can get a hold of us as well. If you want to make suggestions for episodes of the podcast, you have questions, uh, we're open to any of it. And one more reminder that uh, if you enjoy the podcast, uh, submitting a review wherever you get your podcast helps others find us as well. So thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it uh, and stay in touch.